We didn't dream of it. That was nice of you to give a warning too, sir. Well, you're very welcome, Joel. I'm here to warn you. I'm such a good you to, guy. When did you get off that horrendous topic that you were on and onto a different topic? I just can't help myself, Ben. I don't want you to help yourself. <laughs> welcome to Practical Shooting After Dark. We're here to talk about shooting on deck tonight. We've got Mr. Park. Hello. Mr. Bradley. Hello. Professor Kim. Hello. And of course, everybody's come here with a topic, something to talk about. Lord only knows what you guys are planning on talking about tonight. Let's start with Mr. Bradley. I haven't heard from you in a while. I've been really super bored that you haven't been on here. So, yeah, right. Tell um, me something good, man. So, I shot a match this weekend. Mine's a trigger warning. Um, you, may, you got mad? Yeah, so it made I mean, you angry. I don't know if it's it got if I got mad, but it's definitely something that I'm trying to figure out what the the, the issue is. Maybe the issue is with me. Uh, That's what I'm they not, say. Look inward when you feel anger. Exactly. <laughs> so I hear at every match. I don't think there's. I'm not sure I've been to a match of any kind of any level where I have not heard someone running the timer say the grease ring does not touch the scoring line. So it's not the better hit. I don't know. I, I just don't understand why that's still said. Um, and it, it, it kind of gets me going. And anybody that knows me personally will sit there and laugh when I sit there and try to correct someone. Wait, is anybody who talks about a grease ring? No. So when you're looking at a target and they say, hey, the grease ring's not touching, that's a Charlie. It's not an alpha because the grease ring's not touching the line. Oh, and then you correct them, but you get angry. So this would be like no, I if I have high-capacity clips for my pistol. I was just getting ready to say that. All the time. Would it, is, is it like that? It's not. No, it's not like that. That doesn't bother me. But it's like they don't know the rules. That's what bothers me. It's a USPSA match. I don't know what you mean by that. I think I don't you know do. you're, I don't know if you're inferring you've, that. You've competed successfully in the upper echelons of USPSA. So I think you know exactly what I mean when you're like, hey, I go to these USPSA matches and people don't know the scoring rules. It's like, it's, it's a USPSA match. I don't understand what your expectations were. I'm well, sorry, Joel. I'm sorry. Head in hand. There he is. Already. Uh, off again. Joel's uh, nervous. No. I took the RO class just like a lot of other people. And I... Was we were told that hey, the bullet, the hole in the paper is smaller than the bullet. We do not use grease ring scoring, and that is not the boundary of the score. So this is what an overlay is, and this is why you use it. Everybody had to demonstrate it in class. I just actually looked up the rules while my computer was loading on uh, the website. Search for grease ring. It's only mentioned twice, and it's not mentioned for anything as far as scoring. It's basically determined that there's a hit on paper. That it's not a you, you can use it, uh, some range lawyer will correct me here, but uh, you can use it to basically ensure uh, that it wasn't a bullet strike. When you have a weird hit, you look for a grease ring to see if that indicates an actual hit. It's not a ricochet. Uh, there's probably, I, I can't remember the other one either, but it doesn't mention anything for scoring. And then it says use your, you know, use your overlays. And um, anyways, but yeah, that's, um, I had an argument with a guy. I wouldn't say it was an argument, but he was debating that if the grease ring does not touch, it can only score for the lesser hit, so to speak. And I explained. He didn't that understand the concept of overlays and bullet diameters. Yeah, and 
we had the overlay in our hand and I was like, what is this overlay for? And he was like, and he couldn't really explain it. And he just was so stuck on the grease ring. He couldn't, he couldn't like comprehend what I was saying and why there's a use for the overlay. I said, the overlay is the actual diamond or the bullet. And it's larger than the whole of the paper. Correct. He said, yes, you know, but he just never could. And then finally at the end, it did click. And then he said, no, we're saying the same thing. And I just walked off. Everybody else, on the, everybody else on the stage saw what was going down as far as what he was doing and they were all laughing at me like why have you been wasting the last five minutes talking were you arguing about one of your hits or someone else's no it was someone else that that makes it better (laughs) that makes the story so much better i was running the timer jason i want you to come to my club match and fucking straighten people out that'd be good fun yeah so anyways i don't know man what other stuff annoys you um like if that annoys you, then this uh, in a, it like this uh, kind of spotty officiating and stuff might probably drives you up the wall. Like what? Give me an example. Of spotty officiating. Because it, it does. You don't have to give me an example. And you could it probably would. give me more examples, I like this time your last nationals attendance. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Jason, I like that. That's good. I would, I would, I would want you on my squad at a match just for these reasons. Honestly. All right, Mr. Kim. Yes. Tell us something good. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just got back from USPSA two gun nationals, the first time ever. Yes. Uh, it was at the same uh, club as the low cap, uh, which Matt talked about low cap experience. Uh, in terms of the venue, it's the same place, and some of the experiences he had, I had the same experience, so like going on a safety video, stuff like that. Uh, in terms of the club, just one thing difference, this this time they didn't run out of food, which was very good at the awards, because I was very hungry. Did they have enough porta-potties? Uh, that's a negative. Oh, perfect. <laughs> same number of porta-potties. Yeah. At least it wasn't overwhelming. None, none of them had, didn't have an overwhelming uh, or overflowing. <laughs> it was actually cleaned out, I think. Uh, it was pretty empty. <laughs> so my experience actually was pretty good uh, in terms of a match. Uh, so basically, it was very interesting to see different names. So there, there are PCC hardcore shooters, three-gun hardcore shooters. Uh, handgun hardcore shooters, like open shooter, carry optic shooter, limited shooter. So I I really enjoyed seeing many, many different names and see how the names stack up at the end of the match as well. Uh, The match, it was 11 stages total, uh, but basically five bays per day. Only one stage had two stages in one bay. So in terms of scheduling, they did very well. it was two-day match. Day one was very delayed due to rain situation. It was really bad rain. But day two, the schedule was right on point as they uh, announced it on the match book. So I think, minus the environment factor, I think they did very well in terms of time management. But the stages were same concept. Um, so basically, it's three different types of stages rotating. So. One stage is box to box, uh, as we saw in low cap. So you start one box, you go to the other box. But since there's two gun, you go to this box, that box, return, and go to the other box, return. Type of a stage was 
uh, there and also one huge field course. There were, so I guess three, about three big, big ones. And then another type was somewhat narrow uh, lateral box, like a, a lot of the USPSA style stage. So I think that was very interesting how the bigger field course, it looked almost like a three gun stage and the box to box uh, older style USPSA st uh, style and the lateral boxes were kind of a modern USPSA style stage. Uh, it was interesting also how they did two gun stages and one gun stages too. So there were two handgun stages, two PCC stages, rest of them were uh, two gun. So you had to transition uh, from a MGM, uh, whatever dump box they call it. And it was pretty interesting. Uh, some stages were um, mandatory handgun start in a two gun stage. Some stage PCC mandatory start and some stage had an option. So in terms of strategy, you can attack uh, however you want. Some stages, people start PCC first or handgun first. I personally liked drawing from a handgun. So uh, usually I was starting with a handgun, but I would say the difference between starting with a PCC and starting with a handgun was pretty minimal, I would say. Uh, that was something I liked. And this match was a lot harder than I thought. I thought just by looking at the diagram, it looked like a host fast, but it was not. And at the end of the match, what I heard is there was only one person who shot it clean without penalty. And I, I mean, that's, that's telling something, right? Sure. And also the scoring, I, before I shot it, because this is not a hit factor scoring, I thought it wasn't going to be as interesting, but having a time plus scoring uh, with the stage they built was very interesting because of the shots were pretty risky. Some shots were pretty close up, but it was partialed up somehow, usually. So if you clip a no shoot, uh, there's a five second penalty. And if you had like a, there was a couple zebra targets. If you shot two in the black, then you get 10 second penalty because there's no hit in the brown. So as you can see, the penalty is so great. So that aspect was making things more interesting in my opinion, because uh, scoring is if you have one alpha or two hits in the brown, you don't get any penalty. That can kind of give you an idea, oh, hey, you just holds fast, right? It's two in the brown, nice. But there were many partials. So if you do that, uh, and again, a penalty, the five second penalty is just really big. Uh, in terms of the target, so, I had to come. I had to compare with other match, but the two gun match I shot in Utah earlier, the the practical two gun match by Cobalt, they had white target for rifle, so paper target wise, paper target white rifle, paper target brown handgun, easy separation, colors different, and the steel target had a different color. Uh, blue steel will be pistol, white steel will be rifle. So very simple. However, this match had a very, very high round count, but some stages had very small dimension. So not a big stage. I, I noticed the stages, what did they average, 40 rounds? Something like that? Something like that, yeah. Very, very high round count. But there were a couple stages that were small bay. And if you put like a 20 brown targets, oh, that's going to be very confusing. Uh, so 
there was one particular stage that everybody was stacked up in the walkthrough day trying to figure out the memory stage. That one was everybody like had a hard time because it's like brown, 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 brown. But you need to know which one's rifle, which one's handgun. Uh, although the handgun targets were USPSA humanoid target, rifle target was IPSC target. But just by having it same color, that was a lot confusing. And they introduced a new target that I've never shot in a competition, which is a orange clay, like the shotgun clay. Mm -hmm. So that one was deceptively hard. Um, there, I would say the distance for the clays, every, uh, somewhere around 15 to even, I think it was like 50 yards or 30 to 50 yards. I forgot exact number, but those were very tough shots. And I think that actually gave people uh, more hard time because everybody think, hey, this range is not as big of a base. So I think a lot of people thought it's going to be host fast. But they put that orange clay to slow people down and actually have like accurate shooting. And also PCC, you need to know the holdover for those tiny clays. So yes, that was something. Set. Yes. That was something very challenging. I had to ask people around because I've not really shot far distance with PCC. So people were saying, oh, that target, you got to aim low. That target, you just shoot right on point. Those kind of aspects was very interesting. And personally, I had a great time, actually, because it was something new, new scoring. Of course, it's a new type of a competition shooting two gun. So I really want to return. But there is definitely some room to grow, uh, like the target uh, differentiating with the color brown, 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 brown. I don't think that's really easy. If 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 it were to be same color, they need to at least do something to make it a little bit uh, easy easier to memorize. Or bigger field course, it's going to be a little bit better because it's spaced out. But if it's stacked tight, tight to tight, left to right, left to right, side by side. It's going to be very difficult to memorize those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it looked like they did hot holstering. Is that correct? So your handgun's loaded and you can reholster it and you get your, like, switch to a rifle? It was possible, yes. But on some stages, the starting position, they forced them to have the firearm on the opposite side of the shooting box. So in that kind of case, you're not starting with the gun. So it doesn't really make sense to hot holster. But there were, like, a... Two stages that people did hot holster, but the stage wins ended up being not hot holstering. Just okay. shoot everything one gun, aggressive, and then toss it and shoot one gun. That end up being the stage win. Gotcha. They do uh, UML at my club, and I guess it's it's a no-no to hot holster. Um, what do you reckon as far as skills being tested? Did you feel like it was equal for the different guns as far as you know, like some matches, it's really easy handgun targets and it's difficult rifle targets. Did you feel like it was balanced? Uh, I would personally think so. Uh, personally, I don't have any three-gun experience, so I can't really say uh, how accurate it has to be. But for PCC, I think they actually tested some accuracy stuff. Uh, there were more than a couple 50-yard steel shots, like a mini popper-sized steel target, um, steel plate. So I think there were definitely some accuracy testing as well. But for PCC too, there were some hosing stuff for sure. And some interesting activation stuff too. 
So I think in terms of skill testing, I think they definitely tested it. Well, good. I like it. Yeah. Glad you had fun. Thank you. Are you, are you going to shoot it again? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely playing on it. Yeah. I'm glad you went. Uh, and you'll have stuff uh, on training group about this, I assume. Yes, definitely. Uh, this experience. Uh, I'm going to be explaining some more detail in time scoring on that video and yeah, some experience stuff. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Mr. Joel. Uh, this week in shooting, I guess over the weekend, I actually took a class. You took a class? Was, You're a shooting instructor. Why would you take a class? Well, I wanted an experience, Ben. I just thought I'll go to a bunch of different classes. And yeah, no, um, I, I, I'm kind of, I mean, obviously a nerd about this stuff. So I was like seeing how different people present information differently. So I took a Tim Heron class this previous weekend. Um, it was fun. So, it, you know, it's kind of, everyone kind of does a similar thing in the way of marksmanship, fundamentals, grip, whatever. Uh, there was definitely a big emphasis on grip especially day one. That was something he talked about a lot. There was one drill specifically that actually I, I liked quite a bit, and it was something uh, I hadn't seen it done exactly this way. But so he was talking about hand tension, you know, and people think like, oh, yeah, you know, grip the gun really hard with your support hand. And people think like, oh, yeah. For instance, Ben did a similar thing in class where, like, I think I'm holding on to the gun, and Ben walks over, and he puts his support hand around my gun, and he, like, he grips the gun extremely hard. He's like, no, grip the gun like that. I'm like, oh, okay. I get it now. Uh, so what Tim did was he basically had the student walk up and shake hands, but in a way of grip my hand the way you would want to grip the gun with your, you know, you switch with your firing hand or your support hand. And somebody, so for instance, doing your firing hand, okay, you shake hands and then it's okay. Uh, hold my, you know, hold my hand the way you would, if you were you know holding your gun and then press your trigger independently without your other fingers moving. And what you'd see is most people think like, oh, yeah, I grip my handgun this way. And then when they would try to move their trigger finger while holding that person's hand, if I'm making sense, you'd see the lower half of their hand or all the rest of their fingertips all would be kind of moving around also. And that's, hey, guess what, dummy? You know, when you're when you're shooting the gun and you're gripping the gun in that way, obviously Tim didn't call somebody a dummy, but when you're pressing the trigger in that way, all the rest of your fingertips are flexing. And obviously that's going to cause issues with marksmanship fundamentals. So I like that. It's kind of a different uh, hands-on way approach with everybody to show them uh, proper grip tension. And then with your uh, support hand, of course, you know the same drill. You grip. Yeah, that's not really gripping the gun hard. Grip the gun like this. You know, and really crush down someone's hand. You should be gripping the gun with this this kind of tension. And then doing drills. Uh, some of them were okay. Experiment with different types of grips. And so you'd be shooting a target and be like, okay, release your support hand as you're firing see what happens, clamp down really hard with your firing hand while you're shooting, what happens. And, you know, people are kind of drawing conclusions like, hey, if I really grip down hard with my firing hand, I'm pushing shots for right-handed person low left, or I'm getting trigger freeze, or slow fire, I can't shoot the gun precisely. Because like in that handshake drill, the rest of my fingers are flexing also, and that's influencing where the bullets go. Uh, so anyway, I, I thought it was just kind of a kind of a fun way, a different hands-on way to... Uh, to talk about grip. And if you're interested in that and much more, a uh, I've got a, a class dump that'll be uploaded to training group. It's I actually paused it for doing this, but I've got a lot of video that'll be uh, on training group in the near future. Well, there you go. So the training group people can get a little insight into what that class is about. Who would you, uh, what demographic of person would you recommend for that class? 
Uh, I suppose it's good for any level. Uh, I would say he was quite good at dealing with... There were a couple people that were uh, like non-USPSA people, and he was quite good at like putting it in their terms where it made sense. And then, of course, there was a couple... Uh, a couple pretty squared away shooters, and he was good at, you know, crushing them as well. So, then quit making the clacky. Okay, I'll stop typing. I'm, anyway. I'm very sorry. And so that that's good. We I do uh, I appreciate the class dump. It looks like that's a two parter from you. Um, speaking of class dumps, mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about. I went on I went on tour uh, for, you know, it was reminded me of the old days when I'm like traveling around the whole time. So I went on. Uh, I had. Uh, five two-day classes set up that were just back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back -to -back in between your range, Joel, in mm -hmm. Omaha, and uh, Mason's range in New Hampshire. <laughs> I had a, a day to travel between, but that was it. Uh, so I enjoyed that trip, had a great time. Um, videos coming to training group, of course, for the Omaha classes. Joel was kind enough to film them. But I want to talk about uh, something else, uh, an, an interesting experience for sure. One I don't get to have very much, but I had a, I had an excellent shooter in uh, my New Hampshire classes. So having having a guy at Mason's level mixed into fundamentals and skills and drills classes, I can tell you was very interesting. And I'm not I'm not you know it's not to talk about Mason them or whatever, but the most interesting piece of. Uh, information i heard from students about that you guys will be shocked i was extremely hard on mason extremely yeah i'm not, judging from the i'm not at mason's level and judging from the comments i got this does not surprise me <laughs> right and i thought <laughs> i thought it was really interesting like because you know it's like mason i mean for anybody it's like you want him to get better and it's like when somebody's in a place where they're inexperienced and you know they're just kind of figuring it out and it's headed in a good direction you just give that person encouragement and you have somebody who's at the cutting edge of performance who has all the motivation. You can't even, you, I, you couldn't even really discourage him if you wanted to, but so for a guy like that, you just go in on him hard with, uh, you know, pretty direct feedback and like, you know, Hey, here's what I think you could do to, to level up and raise. I, I thought it was very interesting having, having Mason mixed into a class. I really liked it. I don't know. Uh, Any thoughts about that, guys? Jason, you look like you want to say something. I'm just sitting here thinking, like, I want to get a class now. <laughs> well, a little, a little behind the curtain uh, to plug my own stuff, I guess. Uh, training group podcast that dropped today. Uh, it's got Mason in it. And, of course, before recording and afterwards a bit, I asked him about the class. We were talking about it. And, yeah, he basically said you hurt his feelings and he knows what, he'll, what the rest of his – year of training looks like so he was quite excited to have a have direction for what he should be working on yeah which is good that's that's the goal of taking a class uh, yeah i mean you know it's like how, how do you take uh, you if you're at that level it's like then then it's like i don't want you to be really good at shooting and pick off a nationals here and there i want you to i want them to fear you you know what i mean <laughs> that's what i want mason because i think that would be funny so he, he, he appreciated that. He appreciated that goal. I have a question for you, Ben. Yes. So the advices you gave to Mason, would you say that's how you would advise yourself when you train by yourself? Uh, that's actually a good point. So as far as directness, bluntness, mm -hmm. being hard on people, mm -hmm. yes. So when I give my, when I'm thinking about myself, 
I, I try to have that 30,000 foot view of it mm -hmm. and, um, and be hard on myself, but, but not hard on myself in the same way. Like, um, we have totally different temperaments, Mason and I, totally different training styles and shooting styles. And no, the, the advice I gave to him is not advice I give to myself because, uh, I'm not, I'm not remotely wired like he is. He's very different. Right. Yeah. So stuff that seems obvious to me is stuff that is like totally foreign to him and, and vice versa, I think. Like I would, I would imagine that was how that, that worked out. So, All right. Can I, can I say something real quick? You can say whatever so, you want, man. Uh, I had been out, I've had been out a couple times and the first time I, I was kind of deciding, should I have been out for a class? Should I do one of these classes? And I was like, I finally got to the realization. I was like, here's one of two things going to happen. He's going to be like, dude, you're awesome. You couldn't be any more awesome. Keep being awesome. Or he was going to be like, Hey, here's what you need to work on. And I was like, either one of those is a good thing, right? And and of course it was the last one. <laughs> it's like, hey, here's what you need to work on. But um, so yeah, I mean, when I hear stuff like that, that makes me go like, man, I gotta, I need to get a class. I need to get, I need to go shoot with Ben or something. So, um, anyways. Well, not to toot my own horn, but I have, uh, I've been, I've been around a while now. I've been fortunate. I started um, my like the international training game. In 2014, I decided to move into that where I was like, hey, I want to do a third of my stuff outside of the U.S. just to get more experience. And that was one of the best things for me, honestly, just to start looking at things differently and looking at people and shooting differently. It was very helpful. And that uh, that experience has been good. And it's like, I don't know, I keep having good experiences and learning a lot. So it's it's helpful. It helps me give better feedback. Try anyway. All right, let's move on to a question. And it's an interesting one. Here we go. Do you have a feel for how much money the average A or B class, fairly serious USPSA shooter spends per year on the sport? Guns, ammo, travel, match fees, training equipment, etc. I know in the last year everything went up, so I guess I'm talking in the good old days back in 2019. Thanks. Well, let's talk about what does that look like? What is somebody doing if they're fairly serious at USPSA? What are they spending their time doing? I'm just buying stuff that I need, not caring how much it costs. Well, okay. Um, but I mean, <laughs> but like, as far as Maybe that sounded like a flex and it did not mean to be. I'm trying to do some math right now. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, what do you, I mean, back in the old days, I always saw people shoot, what, 20,000 rounds a year? That's like, if they're... If they're the dudes that they drive around to a few, a couple section matches around them, maybe an area match, maybe they fly to a match. Is that, you know, over the course of a year? I've always thought people mm -hmm. spent, what, like five grand a year if they're not buying new guns and shit. Yeah, that's always what I've thought. I was gonna say like six. By the time you do, like your local matches, also the ammo. I don't think it'd be the expensive part. So the ammo figure it is maybe now it's uh, thirty seven dollars a primer now. So that's true. But no, I, I thought they're, they're more if you try and buy them from Joel, he'll give you a friend discount. <laughs> I told you I would just give you primers actually. Oh well, I'm a, I miss her. Now he's flexing. Yeah, now he is. <laughs> no, Joel's like I'm down to my last two hundred thousand primers. Oh, uh, three hundred thousand, <laughs> but whatever. No, who's, who's counting? <laughs> no, not nearly. Um. No, I don't think the ammo is even the biggest part of that. I think that even before this, I mean, it was like it was the travel and the match fees 
Um, but I think like five to six grand is probably, I would say, a pretty realistic number, I think. It is. And I mean, like I said, so you drive to a few matches that are close, shoot your club match, at, you know, once a month or whatever, or twice a month, and then lie to maybe it, one. Yeah. Then piss out some ammo for practice, you know, shoot about 20,000 rounds, dry fire all the time. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty set six, six ish grand, something like that. Mm -hmm. But it see, it never really works out to be that because these people are always buying new guns and shit. I mean, so they, they, in theory, have an idea of how much it would cost, but that's not real, you know. But but also, how much money you spend doesn't really reflect at all on what you're getting out of it. So I'll be like, Ben, how many rounds did you shoot this year? Like, I shot 100,000 rounds. Oh, he must be really good. Yeah. I'd be like, Jason. Jason's like, really I shoot 15,000 rounds. I'm like, oh, well, Jason doesn't shoot very much. He's obviously not very good. Uh, so Jason's, I mean, like, Jason's just smart. The numbers don't, like, the financial part doesn't really tell you the tale. Well, no, not at all. Uh, well, guys, another Bang Up podcast. I do appreciate you all coming on. Thank you so much. Uh, listeners, if you have a question, go to bensteger.com. Send me a question. We'd love to hear from you. Isn't that 